Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Prince Charles, the Queen of Victoria, and the person pulling their strings, all about Only You, and Jim Jarmusch's zombie comedy, The Dead Don't Die. I'm Jake Cunningham, and I have resurrected Sam Howlett and Kelly Powell to talk about what's on at the cinema this week. How are we doing? Brains. Brain, brains. I mean, well, hello. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. It's good Good to have you both back. Kelly, you've been away for in South Africa for yeah. six weeks or something. Yeah, four weeks. Four weeks. Amazing. Mm. Mm. And it was a good time. It was a really good time, yeah. But now you're back in your home, the cinema. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, so we will start with Only You, uh, which, although I'm not against it, I was surprised to hear that they had made a film about the race for the 1983 Christmas number one, ultimately secured by popular British a cappella band, The Flying Pickets. Jake, let me correct you there. What? We're actually talking about Only You, the romantic drama starring Josh O'Connor and Lyra Costa, directed by Harry Woodliff. Oh, that Only You. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, well, I'll, I'll stick that idea in my back pocket uh, <laughs> and take it to Dexter Fletcher. Uh, I'm sure he'd do a great job with the legacy of the flying pickets. Um, so, Only You, that Only You. Okay. Kelly, what is, what is this Only You all about? Right, so this Only You is about uh, Eleanor and Jake... <clears throat> who meets by chance on New Year's Eve. They share a taxi together. Um, and instead of going their separate ways, uh, they start a passionate relationship, um, only to find out that Eleanor is nine years older than Jake. Um, but they are in it together. They love each other. They want to start a family. But that's actually where the story begins because it's not so easy. And they decide to in, uh, embark on a... IVF treatment, but it doesn't go so well and uh, their relationship starts to suffer because of it. Mm. And uh, in a pretty bumper interview, we've got kind of the, th the three key people for the film here. We've got Harry Whitliff, the director, first time feature, uh, Josh O'Connor and Leia Costa all in the interview. Uh, so we'll get to that very shortly uh but we'll just quickly give some context on only you because so, this one's come about through the bureau the production company mm. here who uh people would have seen that name ahead of like 45 years and yep. weekend like that andrew haig stuff um and this film only you i think it had its first play either at like like venice or tiff or uh something like the autumn festivals last year and uh kind of whirled around gradually into cinemas now 
And at the centre of it, you've got two actors who are very much rising stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, Josh O'Connor, mm. who I know has a lot of fans. Yeah. Yeah, he broke out in God's Own Country a few years back, which everyone fell in love with. So good. Uh, people are still talking about that film today. Uh, he's also in The Durrells, which if you have parents that are over 40, <laughs> I'm sure they love that. Or if you are a parent over 40, uh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you like it? I've watched a few. It's all right. Yeah. It's What's fine. it about? Uh, it's about it's a true story <laughs> about a family that live, uh, English family that live in Greece. And the youngest boy in the family grows up to be a, he writes a lot of books about animals. And the show is about him discovering the animals in Greece and also about the kind of the drama around the family living in Greece. Wow. That is so parental viewing <laughs> one hour long each week jake oh wow solid uh and he's also going to be prince charles also in, prince charles yeah in the crown yes and uh in lots of other things as well yeah and alongside him is leia costa yeah uh and she obviously is uh, known for victoria the one take wonder um and she's also in dan fogelman's new uh, film life itself right okay yeah um and so, yeah, lots of like two big films yeah. in a certain like circuit of popularity mm-hmm. kind of bringing together their two stars here uh, and putting them into like into a couple that is totally believable, uh, we, which we will get into. Uh, yeah, they're, they're both really talented and I'm sure people will be looking out for what they're going to be doing next. Uh, and I, I think it's time to probably talk to them. Uh, Kelly, you were mm. lucky enough to sit down with the director and the two stars. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I met with them at LFF last year. Um, and uh, I thought it was only going to be uh, <laughs> the two actors, but Harry Woodliffe was there. <laughs> Surprise. Um, and it was a really good in- uh, interview with all, all three of them. They're all very passionate about the film. Um, <clears throat> and I spoke to them a little bit about, um, you know, the intensity of the relationship between them and how that was as actors um, and where sort of her, uh, Harry's inspiration came to, to talk about this topic. Uh, so I hope you enjoy uh, welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> um, this film is uh, such an intimate portrayal of this couple going through um, something very personal um, and um, it really sort of hinges on the collaboration and the connection between the two leads. Um, but maybe I can start with you, Harry, and just ask um, where did the inspiration for the story come from? Um, and what made you want to tell this story as your directorial, you know, feature debut? Um, I wanted to write a um, really uh, intimate relationship story that felt raw and real and like you were going home with this couple and you were a fly on the wall. Mm. Um, and I also wanted to write about a couple facing um, something difficult together and not imploding, but... Um, staying together as a team and I wanted to write about um, uh, not having a child and um, how that feels. Yeah, well, that definitely comes across, I think, very successfully. So. Thank you. So congratulations. Um, and what was it like um, for, for you with your collaboration work? Because obviously the, the film hinges on, you know, the relationship. So what kind of prep work did you guys put in? Were there lots of rehearsals beforehand and mm-hmm. how did you find it? We didn't rehearse. We had one day that we were, um, I think we were reading through the scenes mm. one day. 
we were supposed to be rehearsing for a week. Yeah. That's right. But there was the um, hurricane. But okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we met on Friday and we were starting shooting on Monday. Oh, and wow. weekend was weekend. We yeah. didn't work through the weekend. <laughs> okay. No, because you were doing fittings. Fittings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. But we talked on the phone. I talked with Lyra and Josh separately on mm -hmm. the phone yeah. for uh, actually quite quite oh, a, a few, quite a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we sort of put aside a couple of hours or, or something and say, let's talk about the next 20 pages in a week. So I did that with them separately. Okay. And was the film shot chronologically or did you sort of jump around for scheduling purposes or...? We jumped around uh, to a degree, but we started off doing all the stuff that's in the flat. Okay. So we started at the beginning of the story um, through all the scenes of them getting together in the flat, and then we moved on chronologically through all the scenes of them breaking up together in the flat. Oh. So we sort of did the whole relationship okay. in the flat, and then we went out of the flat to locations. Okay. It felt kind of chronological. Yeah, it did actually. That, right? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And how did that like impact? the way that you guys sort of engage with the characters and your emotional sort of trajectory through the film, shooting it. I think to be on the flat the first two weeks was perfect yeah. For, yeah. for us to yeah. get Jake and Elena and then the rest felt easy after that, I think. I mean, it's interesting, like, seeing these guys coming in, like, the first week, they were really playful, everyone was really, they were both in a really good mood. Uh -huh. And then when we got to the second week and it was all splitting up, it was like two different actors coming in. You know, you think, mm -hmm. you think that's just them, but actually it was them engaging with the spirit of where we were up to with their story. Mm. Though it was, the second week was definitely different to the, to the first week, you know. The yeah. first week they were lounging about in bed with each other, you know, between the scenes or mm -hmm, sitting jokes. and chatting, making jokes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, set, the second week when there were the arguments, they'd be sit, sat separately not in different talking. rooms, oh, really? not talking, listening to, listening to music oh, on yeah. their own. And yeah, so wow. I, think, I think it really uh, worked really well. And there's another thing which we were talking about just earlier mm. about so something that Harry created really nicely in this film is this sense of like nostalgia mm -hmm. that you get in a relationship. And so, you know, for instance, by shooting the, that first scene, for instance, in the flat where he plays the Elvis Costello or mm. um, and uses cert there are certain bits of dialogue that Harry then introduces, reintroduces again, yeah. you know, that Jake uses to try and rejig that relationship back yeah. or restart it and 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 by shooting it in a, as close to chronological order as you can mm. it means that suddenly that they are kind of shared memories anyway yeah. so when we revisit it it's, it sort of does have a lot of feeling yeah. to it, do you know what I mean and yeah, because also you're in this like little capsule of time where just two weeks of a shoot is a lot it's sort of a oh, long yeah, time isn't definitely. it yeah. yeah so you are already reminiscing on day two by the time you're on you know yeah, yeah day eight. and it's such an intimate thing anyway making a film yeah. together and this kind of film as well you know you exploring mm. each other as the characters kind of are as well so and I feel I think you feel that in the film so it's very well done um so uh so IVF isn't really explored that much on screen um you know in such a way like you explore this couple's troubles uh with trying to conceive and you really do d delve deep into what it means to them and like you know you see both of them go through their respective um, sort of arc, you know, in how to deal with this and and you sort of really get a sense of like what it might feel like to a couple who really wants this and can't achieve it. And also the the, 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 tr the 
how hard IVF actually is, you know, when you're doing it, the, you know, when you see the bruises on your stomach when you're trying to do it and like how, how, how much it actually takes to make that decision in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know if you guys did any um, kind of uh, research by talking to couples who might have gone through a similar sort of thing or d- what kind of prep work did you do to sort of get into that mindset of this couple going through this Daya, you read um, articles, didn't you? Like, I'd yeah. send you stuff, and then you also listened to music while you re- read some of the articles and then listened to the same music. I remember you saying, this article that you sent to me really spoke to me, and this is what I listened to at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Josh saying, I just want to... I feel like I'm naive to it, and I just want to come to it when I come to it in the film without knowing too much, because that's right. Yeah, yeah, which I think is... For me, it was it was definitely about putting my or putting Jake's attention onto Elena, because I I, th- I think some of the confusion in that relationship comes from the fact that Jake is trying to serve a purpose to Elena, trying to sort of make everything all right, whilst not really taking the time to sit down and try and under- actually understand what it is that she's going through. Mm. And so, and that's what and that's where the confusion comes. So, in some ways, they didn't really want to like prep anything with that and just put it on put everything on her. And sort of feel it organically as a kid. Yeah. Okay. I also didn't want to know too much because she doesn't know actually yeah. too much. Mm. But I thought that for the emotions, I didn't remember about the music. Mm. Now yeah. you're talking about it, I remember. Yeah. It's true, I attached like music to emotions while reading, but just on set, not reading anything else, just listening to that music. Okay. To get the emotion. Yeah. Because <coughs> it's more important what she's feeling than... Mm the process yeah exactly and I think that your I mean you could see that the that the role required a lot of your you know your emo- it was an emotional roller coaster I think and um, what was it like for you to play someone going through such a hectic time in their life was it taxing on you or how did you prepare how did you navigate that it's very hard for me to answer these kind of questions yeah. because I, I trust my team a lot mm. so I think that if I'm doing a movie with another actor or another director my, my work is so different mm. So I don't know actually how to say that. Okay, it's okay. It was just I we I, I really felt like we were just in a bubble of mm-hmm. like you know when we did the big argument as well like it was just so quite it was quite um it was quite hard watching them argue over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> whilst watching it in the monitor, it was okay the first time, but it was quite traumatic, um, more traumatic than I expected watching a couple that we'd all created together who had such a lovely thing then being so sort of destructive to each other mm. I thought that was interesting to me like mm. I was surprised by how uncomfortable I felt with it and uh, Josh shouted and lost his voice oh. he lost his voice yeah it was yeah. weird cause it, because it's like that thing obviously when you're watching this film and I'm now yeah, having watched it now mm. you are experiencing their relationship right but for us the relationship wasn't just Jake and Elena it was with Harry and Xavier the DP and, and so I remember that day where we had the argument and so Harry cool cut and then you see like Xavier look really upset we'll be okay tomorrow kind of going through the emotions <laughs> yeah, together but that, yeah. that means I, I think that's that's what was really good about this job is that we that you know you, when you're collaborating with anyone you're, tr- you're all trying to get the best out of each other yeah and so as an actor's job is to kind of fulfill 
um, the imagination of of Harry's, and mm. and Harry is working constantly to see like what it is that Josh needs to hear or what it is that Lion needs to hear to get mm. this out. Of, do you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like we're all dancing with each other. Yeah. And and it's not often that it works as smoothly as it did with us. Lot. Yeah. And was it very much? Um, so the the creation of the of the script did you was it like something that you stuck stuck to as a director you know going from the writing seat into the directing mm -hmm. seat did you stick to the script or was it like a workshopped process more of a collaboration did it end up changing a lot as you went I stuck to the script but also during the phone calls that I had with Lyra and Josh I went away and did rewrites off the back of that okay there were little rewrites during the process weren't there where I'd come and say I'm just going to change this bit mm. and that bit it was scripted but it was a change mm. quite late on for instance I remember Josh us talking about the taxi journey and you saying I don't think he's a predatory kind of man I don't think he goes into that taxi journey feeling like yeah I want to take this woman home and then I remember speaking to Lyra and going yeah I don't think I'm in the mood to meet anyone I'm like okay they're neither of them we can't not let them meet yeah, it's like, yeah, but then yeah. I worked with that. I loved yeah. it that they're both not in the mood, but uh, then something happens. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm. It totally changes that scene. Actually, watching that back, I was really surprised because I, I sort of forgot that we changed that. Mm. It is. You're right. It's like a really kind of surprising moment because you've got these two people who don't really want to share a taxi, but it's sort of necessary. Yeah, and, and that not turns in the into mood. this beautiful yeah. relationship. <laughs> yeah. But that's something very beautiful. You were working with me, and then working with him. Because they didn't need yeah. to know stuff. So I <laughs> yeah. think that yeah. that was a good method. Yeah. yeah. Like we were working together very close and you were, and then we yeah. discovered. Yeah, I, lo I love that about it, that I kind of, you both had your own points of view and then I didn't really and tell them their other, the other person's point of view. Yeah, I, I yeah. kept that quite separate. I didn't have like discussions where I was like, you're feeling this and mm. you're feeling that. I, also, I think because of those conversations, we were all, we were all very sort of in a weird way very well prepared even though we hadn't had rehearsal as yeah. such together mm. you both both very clearly knew where your heads were mm -hmm. in those scenes yeah I think yeah and it felt it did feel super authentic like all throughout really you felt like these people were going through these things oh, that's uh, great. yeah I really really enjoyed it um, and I wanted to ask you um, how has been how has it been seeing the reaction to the film here um, in Britain, you know, uh, in, at the festival, have you? Did you watch it with an audience as well? It's only tonight, is it? It's only premiere. tonight. Yeah. It's the premiere tonight. So, yeah. Oh yeah. my word! Okay, so that's going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's that's. I really mean, cool. I've only had sort of screenings for yeah. you know for our execs. So we had um, mm -hmm. screenings when we invited about like ten people came and watched it. That yeah. was interesting and did sort of questions afterwards. And I love like watching people's face. I always uh, sit at the back and watch people's faces. That's cool. And yeah, it's quite. There was quite a lot of. Um, smiling through the first half like mm. generally I've noticed mm. and less smiling <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah no but like sort of laughter yeah. and people yes. engaging in the in the excitement of yeah. the new relationship yeah and what does it feel like for you Harry having your film played your you know it's your first feature and is it like daunting exciting uh, sort of daunting and exciting <laughs> yeah. and uh strangely abstract until you're there as well I think you know until till you sort of yeah until yeah. I'm sat there with an audience watching it it's, yeah it's uh, quite an odd process in a way because you you know each stage you you shoot and then you edit and it's so intense and then you sort of gradually finish and you have your grade and you have your sound mix and then it's kind of 
over and mm. then you wait so it's yeah it's a, yeah. it's it's odd and i think it really is about in in enjoying the process each step of the way as well yeah yeah of course uh, you know just little the moments where I remember just putting the title sequence on. I was just—it's so exciting, you know, yeah, watching exactly. the title yeah, sequence okay. go up or see it come together. Yeah, yeah, it's like I think, yeah, sort there's sort of been magical moments all the way. So, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Well, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, um, and Josh, you your uh, last film, God's Own Country, where people might know you from, mm. um, you know, was also also received really beautifully, and you kind of have seem to become the man of the moment for British independent film. <laughs> and I wanted to know, like, what, what are you sort of looking for in your next project? Are you, are you happy to, like, stay in your wheelhouse? Or are you looking for something, like, a little bit outside of it? or Stay in my... Your wheelhouse. Like, it seems to be a, a very, like, beautiful comfort zone that, you've, that, you, you, that you fit very nicely into. Yeah. You're such believable characters. Um, I don't know, actually. Yeah, I think... Um Certainly, it's kind of what what excites me is when you meet someone like I did with Harry and like I did with Francis, mm-hmm. and uh, and since this film kind of worked with some really cool people. And I think what happens is, the, I always think that the relationship that you build, irrespective of the end product, because you can't. I don't tend to think about that. It's yeah. the, the relationships you build with people in that space of time and mm. collaboration is so exciting, and I really, I always really enjoy that. So I. As far as I kind of don't think much beyond that, it's just okay. you know if I meet someone and there's like a spark and it's really exciting mm. and a story that I'm like oh I'd like to see that or I'd like to do mm. that, then I kind of go that way. Yeah. So yeah, I guess in answer to your question, I'm sort of not really planning anything, but okay. I'm enjo- certainly enjoying. Okay. Being the man of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. definitely enjoying. Yeah. yeah There's a question that I wanted to ask you at the beginning, actually, and I just totally forgot about it um, because we had such yeah. a nice conversation. But I wanted to know what, what when you you know first read the script as actors, what drew you to the characters that you sort of were going to be portraying? What what about their the realism of the, of of them that you know you wanted that excited you about the the film? I actually saw Harry's short film Knits. Mm. and I loved it mm. and I read the script and I knew that there was so much more to learn about it that I was not aware of it and then I had a conversation with her and then that was the confirmation that this is going to be very interesting for you because you don't know this story at all Yeah. and I think that big interrogation mark was what it was like and also because I saw the short film it was oh she's cool yeah, it's like she's. It's gonna be cool. You you're gonna love this director. Yeah. So that was it for me. Okay. Yeah, I think actually the I forget that I'd seen Harry's short film and Harry definitely you could see that there was like a visual language there that was really clear. Mm. Um, but for me, for Jake, it was just I saw someone who was in many ways uncomplicated. Uh, not not to be confused with like uninteresting because oh, he's yeah. so complex, but. Uncomplicated in so far as he's he's not self-conscious, and he is a lot of his conversations. Uh, if the way Harry had written him was all about the other person and yeah. accommodating mm-hmm. and trying to, but sometimes that would sort of turn into a sort of um, selfishness. But he certainly didn't mean that, and I, I found that really endearing. So that was kind of yeah. Where I fell in love with Jake. Um, and Harry, <laughs> what's next for you? Have you got something else on the horizon? Um, I've got another feature with um, this, with uh, Tristan Golliver at the at the Bureau. Um, 
uh, to hopefully uh, shoot next summer. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and I should probably do something in the interim. <laughs> <laughs> Are you wanting to write more as well, just as a? Yeah, I'd love yeah. to to sort of get writing. I think as well, keeping the momentum going. So, mm. writing one whilst you know the others coming up, I mm. think is really important. Um, yeah, just to keep going. Yeah. Mm. Well, I certainly want to see your next film, so please oh, keep thank going. You. Thank, you. thank you guys for joining Thanks us. So thank much. You. Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, thank you, Harry, Josh, and Leia. Uh, let's get into those two first, because I think without these two actors, these two performances, this film doesn't hang together. It's totally reliant on them, isn't it? Absolutely. And I don't know if the film is improvised, but there are moments that feel improvised, but in a really good way, like especially when they first meet in the cab and when they back to their flat later. And I know that because of Victoria, because that film is all improvised, I just had it in my head that this one was as well. And Lia was really good at that. And so it just felt that means it just felt so natural between the two of them. Yeah, and they're they're both incredibly charismatic actors, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, the, yeah, their their chemistry is super believable, and they're both really, really charismatic actors in and of themselves. So, um, when they come together, it's really enticing to watch, especially in the beginning when the relationship sort of flies forward. Um, and yeah, as you said, you kind of have to buy into that in mm. order to to care about their story. And yeah. I think that works really well. Yeah, it is a race, the first 15 minutes yeah. of this film, because Harry Whitliffe clearly wants to focus on this idea of family and IVF. That's the focus on it, mm-hmm. rather than it being uh, a will-they-won't-they they yeah. romance story. It is still incredibly romantic, and it does still have those beats of a romance film. But mm. the central thing is this... Uh, pursuit of pregnancy yeah. well i liked the structure of those first like 15 20 minutes as well where you kind of it cuts out things that happen and skips to the next thing without explaining what just happened so yeah they like meet the, it'll the, just cut to him moving yeah, in it, so they meet in the cab and then they say goodbye and the next scene is him back at her flat so you know that something's happened that they've started talking again after the cab journey to get back to the flat but we don't need to see it mm. you know it just goes straight there which is really a really nice way of getting through the and it goes through quite a few months mm. like this this kind of staccato this bit cut you don't know how ever long it's harry Whitliffe's knowledge of a romance yeah. genre yeah. and her understanding of our knowledge of that genre that 
you can cut those sections out and we are so familiar with it that we know what's happened. Yeah. Like, and that's what allows that opening 15 minutes to be so condensed uh, and so fast and incredibly energetic. Like, uh, it's quite a rush and you do feel swept up in the thrill of new romance because of that. Uh, and then it does just, it slows down once it's got them set up and you can believe that dynamic, you believe their relationship mm. and then we ease into uh the IVF storyline how how did that sit for you yeah i think i think that um as sam said that like it's sort of there's a there's a flow in the beginning um you know there's a the sort of romantic ideals and we kind of buy into that and we and we kind of are going along as you said jake at like a quite a quick pace and we fall into get swept up in that and then the minute it starts to get serious it slows down and then even further late further down the, the line uh when they are struggling with this with this thing with when with the ivf not working and then it's affecting their relationship it the film like sort of starts to struggle itself i think that it, it mirrors the narrative in a very interesting way mm. um and it, it's also it starts to make us feel uh a little bit like you know we're uncomfortable or upset or it's not the same yeah, easiness like, as that we had in the beginning that opening it's quite it's exciting to see these mm. moments of intimacy that perhaps we're not privy to see in a lot of other couples in the real world yeah. and that's um that's very nice and then we are almost given the same level of intimacy for the later scenes that are harder to watch mm. and that it makes it quite grueling mm, even definitely. though we've we've in a way been given the same amount of access that we have yeah. in, at the start of the film as exactly. well yeah. um and yeah the the pace does slow and you you do feel that dread and anxiety that and the disappointment yeah, yeah. That, that's there between them well and there's a bit as well at the lowest point of their relationship where he tries to recreate the night they first met like he puts on the same song he says the exact same things to try and get her to forget about the IVF stuff and just kind of let's just have fun let's just have a night and it's a really nice way of just kind of reminding you what happened earlier mm. and all that's happened to make this happen now yeah and it's a nice I know it's like an obvious thing but this set this same setting the same mood is just a completely different experience for the viewer and for them yeah um and it it also comes down to how it's all put together how it's been aimed and i think particularly that is um uh, Shabir Kirshner's cinematography mm. like even those two scenes one is this warm glowing yeah. almost like wham Christmas yeah. music video <laughs> of, of warmth and intimacy yeah. and then it's suddenly it's colder it's starker yeah. um and it's a bit more distant uh they they were the cinematographer behind Skate Kitchen as well, and which is like you're trying to photograph like cool sunburn New York skaters, mm. and then also Glasgow in the winter, but <laughs> somehow manages to bring mm. a similar kind of glow to both of yeah. them. Um, and so for the budget of Only You, which is very small, it, it looks very good as well. Yeah, I think, um, and and I think it's a, it's it's. A... A testament to how good Harry is because it's a it's a new story that it's a modern take on a love story. That these things are happening in our, in our everyday lives, you know. And and the fact that the she's older isn't an issue, other than the fact that the fertility thing is an issue. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um. Yeah. I just think it's a, it's a great modern take on a on a romantic movie. Also, yeah. I was surprised at how little the film judges the characters because I thought the film would go the angle like this is what happens when you rush in kind of thing because the age gap is there and he is perhaps 
there's a lot of talk that he's not ready for this kind of relationship because he's so young. And I thought the film would kind of go, it maybe go into a bit like this is what happens when you know fools rush in kind of thing. But it really doesn't. No. It's very much like this is fine. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter that they're rushing into having kids. It's not like it's not a stupid decision for him to spontaneously say, let's have kids, which I think a lot of films would treat that decision as a bad move. You know, mm. yeah, this yeah. film is very much like this is a natural, normal thing that this couple would do this then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, as a pairing to private life, I think mm. it's well worth seeking out as well. That's online if you want to check it out. Um, but definitely if, if you're a fan of uh, God's Own Country, Victoria, want to check out what uh, those leads have been up mm. to since then, do check out Only You. It's it's going to be in cinemas, uh, but it's also on Curtain Home Cinema as well. So if you've uh, not got a screen nearby playing it, you can always watch it on demand as well. All right, uh, so moving on from Only You to a very, very different film, <laughs> uh, The Dead Don't Die. This is the new one from Jim Jarmusch. Uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about this one. So, yeah, Jim Jarmusch's latest film. Uh, we are set in the fictional town of Centerville, which is in the centre of America. Um, and we just slowly get introduced to the inhabitants of Centerville. So we have th- the three cops, so Adam Driver, Bill Murray and Chloe Sfingi. We've got a redneck farmer played by Steve Buscemi, a local hermit played by Tom Waits. Um, We've also got Caleb Landry-Jones as a kind of comic book store owner. Uh, Danny Glover is there. There's loads of these weird, like, oh, that guy. Tilda Swinton Swinton, as a samurai Tilda Swinton as a Scottish (laughs) samurai sword-wielding mortician. Um, And then eventually uh, weird things start to happen. People's phones aren't working. Their watches aren't working. The sun has not set yet. The moon has a weird purple glow. And importantly, the dead start rising out of their graves. They really do. The dead Uh, do not die (laughs) in this film. Uh, and it's the title song. Yeah, it is the theme, theme song. song. Yeah. Uh, so how are we feeling going into this? Because Jim Jarmusch, I know, is uh, will divide a lot of people already. And I think this one is only going to uh, <laughs> sever that divide yeah. further. I well, was super excited. Just, uh, I think, look, this film has been marketed very much on the cast alone. Yeah. Um, and I got, I was like in for it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to see that film very much. I like Jarmusch's stuff, um, especially his early, earlier stuff. So I was in for it already. But the cast was, was I was I was keen to see where how it played out. Yeah, Sam, uh, ahead of this recording, you said, oh, yeah, I'm more fan of his 90s work. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing you weren't excited for this one. Yeah, it's just like... like well, Jake, like... I studied film at university, so... <laughs> Um, I do prefer true cinephile exactly yeah I haven't seen all of them I think think I've seen about six so I've seen like Ghost Dog is great Uh, Night on Earth is really good if you haven't seen Night on Earth that's the one where it's like four or five different stories of like taxi drivers in different cities Mm. Mystery Train's also good Mystery Train's great Uh, Dead Man is great and then yeah Patterson yeah Patterson's really cool as well Only Love is Left Alive is good Um, he does he swings and he misses he swings and he misses but then you know, it's been when was Patterson like twenty sixteen? Yeah, it's, so been, it's a while. been a good f- few years, and just the the sentence a Jim Jarmusch zombie film with Adam Driver and Bill Murray is like, well, obviously I'm going to see that. It's catnip. Mm. It's catnip. Mm. Like I've never, I was never not going to see this film. Yeah. For the podcast, I'd pay a lot of money to see this film. Yeah, I think a lot cinema. of people will be going to see this, and I think in a way it's been presented as his most mainstream. Thing. Absolutely. Like, there are yeah. like billboards and tube adverts for this, which yeah. maybe uh, like your Patterson audience although there are big fans of it out there yeah. they're not going to come out in the same way that they will for kylo ren killing zombies yeah mm. well i was saying to you guys earlier like i think if you spoke to someone who 
doesn't really know who Jim Jarmusch is, they'd still know this film. They'd be like, oh yeah, The Dead Don't Die. That's the zombie film with Adam Driver. Mm. They're not going to know Patterson, if you know what I mean. Like This is the film of, for people that haven't seen a single Jim Jarmusch film that they will go to this, I think, because it's a genre film. It's a comedy film. It's got this cast. It has everything going for it to get people in. Yeah. Um, and central to this is the the core trio of yeah. cops, uh, played by Adam Driver, Bill Murray, and Chloe Savini. And I think the standout here is Adam Driver. Oh, he's so good. He is film. superb in this. I love when people let him be funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he can handle it so well because his he has such a tough job in this film because he is the funniest lines but he has to deliver them all completely straight whilst the whole world is like going mad around him. And even like you can see Bill Murray cracking at certain (laughs) points Uh, and he manages just to keep it stony the whole way through. Because at least, we'll talk about Tilda Swinton in a bit, but at least she gets to be let off the leash and just go full reign, full on broad comedy, whereas he has to be really, yeah, like you say, stony, deadpan, basically like Jarmushi. Yeah, and uh, so he he's constantly saying this isn't going to end well. Going to end well, uh, and he has to. Yeah, the, the sight of Adam Driver speedily parking <laughs> in a small red <laughs> smart car—that is the cinematic event of the year. That's the size of Adam Driver's shoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the ticket price alone is worth it for the image of Adam Driver in a smart it's like car, like someone riding a bumper car. <laughs> yeah. Also, when he first sees the. Um, the aftermath of a zombie attack. The first thing he says is, "Oh yuck!" <laughs> <laughs> he says that. That's his go-to yeah. line. Oh, yuck! Yeah. Oh yuck! Um, but it's it's all got that like kind of slow-paced middle America yeah. reaction to a zombie thing that oh. you'd expect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh." It's like the the sun hasn't yeah. set and it's nine pm and no one's really questioning no. that. It's just it's just something that's happening. <laughs> uh, it's and this is where the film is at its strongest because the first hour. It's a long time much, before you see a zombie. It's that. Yeah. It's just people having these conversations and saying things like, that's a bit weird. <laughs> uh, it's all super chilled out. I know this has had mixed reviews going in, and I'm sure, as I said, it will divide people going to watch it as well. I absolutely love just staying in Centerville. Yeah, I like Centerville. I could just, Centerville's cool. Because you we meet the core policeman at the start but then we get introduced to all of the support yeah. over kind of one 20 25 yeah. minute sequence before we go back to the police again and you've got all this like even like selena gomez selena and gomez. a couple of cleveland hipsters yeah. as they've they're known rizza yeah from R- Wu-Tang. yes who is running the delivery service whoops <laughs> <laughs> and all of these people uh they they completely nail yeah. it in their little moments i know yeah uh, Tom it's like Waits a weird sketch is, show. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly yeah. like a weird sketch show. And I think, for better or for worse, maybe Jim Jarmusch went into a meeting and said, I can get these people and I want to do zombies. And they just gave him the money. And yeah. He hadn't maybe figured out what to do with it. He just knew what he wanted to do roughly. Yeah. Uh, and maybe at some points uh, it got away from him. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, towards the end it sort of starts to unravel. Um but I kind of likened it to, to to dying by a zombie. Basically, it's like the slow build, and then and and they're coming towards you really slowly, and you know what's going to happen. It's all going to end really badly, and it kind of does the film itself as well. Um, uh, yeah, it kind of like loses itself a little bit to the end for me, and like some weird stuff happens that's sort of out of 
seems out of the narrative story world. Yeah. Um, and he, he had trouble on the production as well. Uh, like it should have been, he said it should have been simple, but it turned into a nightmare. <laughs> Adam Driver only had three weeks, and then when they got to set, it was raining constantly. Uh, he got the flu, then broke a toe, yeah. uh, and then they had to rush the edit to get it in time for Can. Yeah, and like you can tell <laughs> in a way, like there, there are there are genuinely plot points that disappear. Oh yeah, yeah. But I think in a way this totally works if the film is read as. Jim Jarmusch directing an Ed Wood film. Yeah. Like, I think there is a bit uh, involving some extraterrestrial activity. Sure. And that, for me, is totally like in a 50s sci-fi when they would Just look around in, They'd look yeah. around the set and be like, what are the other films got? Yeah. What can we yeah, borrow yeah, yeah. from another set? Oh, right, they've got this. Can we just put that into a yeah. scene <laughs> so we can get some more length out of the film? Yeah. yeah. And it's almost like a collection of that. Right, we'll keep it minimal sets. We'll have the police station. We'll have the cemetery. Yeah. We'll kind of just rotate these sets. Mm. And it's him doing a high-budget, low-budget yeah. zombie film this is with an film, incredible cast. It absolutely nails it. This film works as a... B-movie pastiche horror comedy with Jim Jarmusch performances and Jim Jarmusch dialogue. That's perfect. Yeah. I think where the film is going to divide people and where is the the allegory aspect of this film because there's a lot of stuff about the reason the zombies are rising is because of polar fracking and climate change deniers and there's all Consumerism. this... Consumerism. Yeah, there's yeah. all this... Like this, this and this that, film that is, correlation of zombies to materialism. Yeah. yeah. That done and zombies say Wi-Fi instead yeah. of brains. And like this is very much Jim Jarmusch's reaction to sort of Trump's America. Steve Buscemi wears a red cap that says, keep America white again. Mm. Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff, I felt like we get it. Yeah. We don't need to... This is too much. Yeah. But it's too much. And also... This film is kind of not a parody of, but this film is very referential to those kind of George Romero zombie films like Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And those films already did that. They used the horror genre to kind of comment on the problems with society at the time. And I guess this is just Jarmusch doing the same thing X years later. Yeah, and in a not way, quite as bec- subtly. <laughs> but because the film is quite knowing and references yeah, Romero, it's like it if I if I reference it, does that forgive yeah. me for doing it? Yeah, yeah. And mm. perhaps it doesn't. Um, uh, but that that is the Dead Don't Die, and that's in cinemas uh, this week. So do go and check that out. Definitely one for fans of the more genre Jarmusch stuff, like yep. uh, Only Love is Left Alive, alive for sure. But then I think they... if you like Shaun of the Dead, you'll like this as well. Yeah. It's, that's a kind it's like of high energy horror that also does its own thing. But Shaun of the Dead operates a high energy, extremely yeah. high energy. This is and low this is, energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, all right. So that's what's on at the cinema this week. Uh, what about On Demand, Sam? Well, On Demand, you can watch Only You. You can also watch our Jim Jarmusch collection. So uh, some of those films we mentioned just then. Uh, so Dead Man, Only Lovers Left Alive, Patterson. They're all on there. You can uh, catch up on your Jarmusch before you see this one. Yeah, and uh, people can still check out In Fabric yeah, uh, if absolutely. they still want some horror with a lot of red in it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And if you do want to check out In Fabric, that's the new one from Peter Strickland. Do go back and listen to our Strickland on Strickland podcast series where we talk to the director about all of his films up to this point. Uh, and we've got some special events coming up too. As yeah. well. Isn't that right, Kelly? Yeah, we do. Um, we've got a book club screening of Call Me By Your Name um, at Cousin Soho. Um, and that will be on the 17th of July. <clears throat> and that's going to include a Skype Q&A with uh, the author of the book, Andre Asaman. Um, and he's going to be talking about his sequel to Call Me By Your Name called Find Me. 
And if you go along to that event, you will also receive um, a free copy of the new book. That's insane. There are so many <laughs> Comic By Your Name stands out there. Guys, you oh, can God. get the sequel. Yeah. Come to the event. Come to the event. That's going to be Wednesday the 17th at 6.10pm at Curzon Soho. And then um, we also have an opening night Q&A uh, of Only You uh, at Curzon Bloomsbury. Um, and that's going to include a post-screening Q&A with uh, Harry Whitliff, the director. And that's going to be um, on the opening night, Friday the 12th of July at 6.15 at Bloomsbury. Lovely. And uh, if you want to make sure you get tickets, do go to curzoncinemas.com slash events to pick those up. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on Only You or The Dead Don't Die, do let us know by tweeting at Curzon Cinemas. Uh, or you can tweet us all directly as well. I'm there at Jake H. Cunningham. Uh, Sam, you're over there as well. I'm over there at Sam Howlett underscore one. And Kelly, you are on Twitter too. Yeah, KS underscore Powell. And uh, if it's your first time listening to the show, do subscribe. You can do so on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, literally wherever podcasts happen, you can find us there. And when you're there, leave us a review or a comment. That would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, but I think that's about it. Until then, brains, 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 brains. brains. coffee, coffee. <laughs>